0: Hello, and welcome to the Booksmarts Podcast, where we talk about publishing data and technologies and send you away with some insights that will help you sell more books. I'm your host, Joshua Talent. This week on the Booksmarts Podcast, I'm excited to bring back Thad McElroy, who is an electronic publishing analyst and author who's based in San Francisco and Vancouver, British Columbia. Uh, His site, The Future of Publishing, provides in-depth coverage of the book publishing industry. He's also a partner in publishing technology partners and an adjunct professor at the master's program uh, for publishing at Pace University in New York. Uh, Thad, thanks for coming back.
1: Thanks, Joshua. i very good to be back and good to be chatting with you again.
0: Yeah, we had you on back in episode 21. For anybody who hasn't heard that episode, I highly recommend it. We talked about uh, metadata quality and backlist uh, you know, books and things like that. It was really fun. Uh, Thad's got a lot of the same interests that I have, metadata and those kinds of things are really uh, always fun. But I saw something recently, and this is uh, why Thad wanted to bring you back on. Uh, We're recording this in December, but it won't go live until January. But I wanted to uh, chat with you about this new um, list of publishing startups that you and Publishers Weekly have produced or that you produced and they've published, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, So tell me a little bit about the, the story behind uh, these book publishing startup database that you've come up with, and and kind of the connection that it has to Publishers Weekly.
1: Sure, sure. The starting point goes back a decade at least. It was a Tools of Change conference, and I was on a panel looking at book publishing startups. And at that point, I was—I uh, call it a little bit cynical—and there were, you know, some sort of high-profile startups that hadn't gone very far. and when I spoke on the panel, it's was like, I'm not sure there's a, a lot of opportunity here around, you know, innovative startups in the publishing community. And on the panel were also a couple of uh, investors who were like, no, no, this is a hot sector. And, you know, we're, we're very excited about the investments that we've made. And I left the conference thinking, well, I'd like to understand better what the activity is in this sector and, and find out whether I'm right or they're right, I suppose is what it came down to. They were right <laughs> <And> there, <laughs> there, there were already hundreds of startups that had you know slipped beneath my radar i would not been tracking them and i thought well this is amazing I mean, at that point there were probably 400 we're up to 1300 now uh, but even you know at 400 that was pretty amazing a lot of activity mm-hmm. um, and so i started to Create a database track. You know, track these startups. Five years ago, I published the first version. We had about nine hundred then. Now we're up to thirteen hundred with the twenty twenty eight or twenty twenty two version.
0: That's awesome, and that's that's a pretty quick. Uh... Expansion there in many ways, right? That you could have uh, that many publishing startups. So let's let's define some things uh, with a couple of terms here. Uh, what what do you consider a startup? You you mentioned this in the uh, in the kind of the overview article, but let's go through kind of what what do you consider a startup, and and what kind of data are you then collecting on these startups as well?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. And a tough answer in a way. I mean, I think we all have a, a a picture in our mind. If you say, you know, XYZ is a startup company. And I think we think in the venture capital, you know, Silicon Valley kind of metaphor for startups. And that's, you know, a reasonable enough picture to paint around them. But then you, you start to try and pin that down. You say, well, what exactly does that mean? I mean, if it's a startup, well, that means they started, they started a new business. So perhaps that should be the definition, this very wide definition there. A new business has formed, it is a startup. But then it's like, well, okay, well, every new publishing company is a startup, every new bookstore is a startup. And I thought, well, that won't Inform people. I mean, that's a separate list. That's a study worth having to understand. Mm-hmm. You know, the the pace of formation of new independent bookstores. But that's not my study. My study is to try to look at organizations that are coming from a mindset of bringing innovation to the industry. It could be that they're actually innovating something that bookstores do or publishers do. Um, that's fine. But the idea is. You know, I call it somewhat existential because it, it can't be pinned down with pre- precision, but it, it's, it's bringing that mindset of innovation. That's my a loose, broad definition of what is a startup.
0: Okay. And so you're collecting information about these, uh, these different startups. What, what are the key fields, the most important kind of details that you're wanting to put into the, that you are putting into the database and that you think are helpful or informative to people who are interested in this?
1: Yeah, there's, you know, there, there's sort of two sides of it. The things that I find most interesting is, you know, oddly enough in a way, but it's just what the heck are you guys up to? And you're trying to pin that down in a way that can be captured as data. I mean, I, I, you know, each one of them has a website and the website goes on and on and on. And for me, the challenge was to try and distill that into a mission statement, which they're not always very good at articulating their own mission statement. So i my first task was to be able to you know concisely say, this is the value proposition that we bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And so it, you know for someone diving into the database, just clicking those, you know, looking at each of those mission statements is enough to get you sort of started. There's some intrigue on some of them. And then, of course, beside that click, you can click the URL of that organization and and delve into it more deeply yourself. And I I find it endlessly intriguing what people come up with. So it's always fun for me to go back to the database. But then at the same time, of course, we needed some kind of metric on success. Mm -hmm. And there's not a heck of a lot of published uh, and publicly available data to Uh, give some kind of an indicator, a barometer of success. And so we've used um, some uh, specialized and licensed database, uh, subscription databases that uh, do a good job of tracking investment dollars in the startup community. And so there's, I think, one of the real values of the report is that we've captured all the investment dollars, everything that's gone into startup investment in the last two decades. And... and we also, in a, a surprising and delightful number of cases, people have managed to exit their business. Exit's always the term you use in startups. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, have have found a buyer, have merged with another organization. And so we capture the amount of money that's spent on the acquisition, not always publicly available, but wherever we can find that information. And so you're able to get a again, barometric kind of reading. Of how much, um, you know, how much excitement these these startups have have engendered in the uh, investment community, both from a you know going into the business and going out of the business, and it, it, it's in the billions of dollars.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's the interesting thing about this too is like like I said, there's 1,300 on the list now. I mean, you even make the point that that's. Guaranteed, not the total number, although it's probably pretty close to the number of startups in the publishing industry or, or related to publishing. But of those, a pretty small percentage have actually exited, right? Actually, had a uh, an acquisition of some kind or some other merger, or something like that. Can, what, what number? Would it, would, I think you get you gave that number at some point. I think it's
1: about one in five, which
0: yeah. is not bad at all. Um, you know, because
1: when you think about it most people you know enter the business not for a quick exit. I mean mm-hmm. it's delightful if you can have one but you know mostly you're going to have to build five years, seven years and um, and even then you know in many cases they don't want to exit. So the fact that about a fifth of you know one in five have gone uh, been taken out of the market at a at a multiple of the investment dollars, that's pretty good, pretty good yeah. signpost.
0: And alternatively, on the other side of that, there's thirty-seven uh, percent. You say are no longer in business, and that's yeah. uh, that's a pretty normal number in the startup community to see that. Um, oh,
1: if anything,
0: if anything, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's also interesting too because you you know in some cases you say it's like well you don't really know if they are still around. They still have a website. You know, you may it may still just be up because. They paid for the domain, and it's just still there. Uh, Doesn't you don't really know for sure if people are still continuing to to run a business behind that. Um, Yeah, but that's yeah, that's I guess that's pretty normal. Uh, It's not abnormal uh, in startups in general, technology startups in general. Um, It's just interesting to see that number here in the publishing space.
1: Yeah, I think for anyone who reads the report, it is important to recognize that when you look at a company that you find listed. Um, on the spreadsheet that, that which is published, well, I guess we'll talk about that. You, there's a URL you can go to to, to actually access the spreadsheet mm-hmm. and play with it yourself. And as you start to play with it, you, you will be misled. In other words, you know you will go to a company when it looks like they're a going concern, and then you know a big part of the research work we did, I was working with a researcher was really trying to pin down, are they still in business? Because that's an important metric, of course. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we would go to secondary indicators, quite often just their tweet stream. I mean, if you're not willing to tweet, you're probably not still in business. If your last tweet was three years ago, you know, we, we felt pretty confident. We then go to secondary sources as well, Facebook pages, LinkedIn listings, and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but a few of these companies, they, you know, they're nominally in business, they haven't shut down. They're still tweeting, but they have so few customers as to be marginal. And that's um, something that you, you need to be sort of wary of, uh, you know, just cause they're there, just cause they have a website doesn't mean that they've got more than a dozen customers. Um, and other ones who look about the same in terms of their web presence have actually got 5,000 customers. It's sometimes yeah. hard to determine.
0: Yeah. Uh, So let's talk about the vulnerabilities. So, you you have a a section in your report on what you say are vulnerabilities these startups run into. one in five of the startups uh has declared funding uh a lot of them are very lean use you, you say even emaciated kind of not, <laughs> not just bootstrapped but basically just <laughs> very much emaciated um what do you think are is the biggest vulnerability for a startup let's say somebody listening to the podcast and they're like I, I love publishing i'm a bookish kind of person i've got this tech idea or this idea for supporting authors or publishers or whatever else um what do you think that uh, someone in that situation should be thinking about before they dive into uh, just launching the business and seeing what works.
1: That's a great question. The I was thinking just before I call, I'm going to have a call tomorrow morning with a new startup who want to you know just review their business plans with me. And they have described their business as being based on AI, artificial intelligence. And what I've seen with a number of the AI startups is what I call a solution in search of a problem. Mm-hmm. It's like AI is exciting. Surely AI could do some profound things around publishing. And yes, indeed, I think it can. But the AI startups I've seen for the most part so far are sort of like dazzle, 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 we've got AI. It's like, okay, good. AI is interesting. It can be potent. Um, now, what is the problem that you're trying to solve with your technology? And yeah. so that's, that's, I guess, in a way, a, a cliched question, but it is the core question. What is the problem you are trying to solve? Mm-hmm. And you know, for most part, startups—that is, in fact, the kind of value, uh, the the metric. Let's say for the value of the startup, there are then. You know, if, if you take a Facebook for example, was it solving a problem or actually, you know, innovating outside of problem solving? And I would argue that, you know, it was a, a an add on in a sense. It was we didn't know we had a problem, and it, this solution appeared, and it was like, yeah, t- apparently that was a big problem. So, the real metric for startup-edness for the potential for success is around uh, making sure that you you know can innovate outside of that, out of the immediate space. However, having said that, I think that the metric for the average startup is have a really clear definition of the problem and then make sure your solution is, is really targeted right in on that. I'll leave it there.
0: Yeah. If the problem doesn't exist, you're sp- spinning your wheels and spending money that doesn't make sense. And if you're, if the problem does exist and you're not innovating on that problem in a way that publishers, uh, or your, your target market, whatever that happens to be, would actually see as a benefit to them, uh, then you're still going to be spinning your wheels. So that, that makes a lot of sense. And as, as someone who, I mean, I was an entrepreneur, I, I exited, as you say, um, yeah. you know, it, it's, a. It, it is very important to find what the market really is before you go too deep uh and yeah. i think that's i've i've talked to a lot of uh startups as well myself in the in the past you know 10 years or 20 years uh people who are looking for advice on ebooks or things like that especially and and there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things that people try to do in the publishing space that just don't work because they aren't really innovative, uh, or they, they have some idea that's so far outside the realm of, of normal, uh, or kind of what people expect that you have to really work hard to sell it. You have to, you have to try really hard to get people to see the benefit of that, um, compared to what, you know, what people are already using. So that's an interesting, uh, really interesting uh, thing for people to remember.
1: Another thing to point out there is I, a, a factor I've seen amongst these startups that's troubling to me. They don't do their market research. You know, they they really don't. They don't. Um, they you know you, if you were to look at their slide deck of what it is that they propose the business to be, they have you know some kind of broad number that they grab off of you know whatever the Association of American Publishers or you know the market's worth twenty billion. It's like uh-huh. that's not what the market's worth to you. That's not a meaningful metric at all. And so they're they are not really understanding who their customers are from that perspective, either. They're sort of like, well, every reader would enjoy this, or every author could get some benefit from that. Tell me more.
0: Right. Yeah, no, that's really important. Let's talk about a couple of the summary findings that you, you uh, have. You, you say that... Um, this list has grown significantly just in the last five years, you have 40% more listings uh, than you had back in 2017. Um, That's a pretty big jump and actually bigger than I would expect right now, even though obviously there's a lot of stuff going on in the, in the, in the tech world uh, back when, you know, publishing jump, you know, you mentioned the Kindle coming out and that was a big bump at that point. Um, That, that was, seemed to me like the time when everybody really wanted to get in on the ground floor on, on especially anything related to eBooks. What have you seen in that 40% of new ones in the last five years? What's the trend? Uh, What are the types of startups that you're seeing people uh, kind of launch in the last five years?
1: Yeah. The, a couple points there. Um, part of the reason why we, I've, we've got 40% more is we did more homework ourselves. We've, we've gotten better at trying to identify where the startup activity is, better at trying to suss out the companies that are playing in the space, better at defining what the criteria are to be included in our database. So to be you know, um, straightforward about that, it's it's not that there were, you know, 500 new companies that were formed in the last five years. Mm -hmm. Um, The number of new formations in the last five years, I haven't pinned that down, but let's say it's in the 100 to 150 range. Maybe we could even climb up close to 200 that have actually started within the last five years. So that's still pretty significant activity, but it's not 400. Um, In terms of where the startups have been uh, locating themselves, there's... I guess what I would consider innovation on the one side and repetition on the other side. Let's go on the innovation side for a moment. So, as mentioned, artificial intelligence uh, that brought about uh, two dozen startups into the field. Um, this, you know, the latest greatest blockchain slash NFTs, uh, cryptocurrency mm-hmm. that that whole space has brought uh, three dozen startups in, and that's mostly in the last year, which is extraordinary fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, people don't know that there are dozens of, you know, of little Wattpads out there. They think Wattpad's totally dominating the space. Well, they are dominating it, but there are a lot of other startups are claiming little, you know, snippets of the space and the space is so large that just capturing a snippet of it is enough to make a viable business. Um, the move towards visual media has been important. So the you know, the graphic novels and the online cartoons, that kind of thing, has has brought in a lot of startups. And finally, audio have, has been big, of course, as we all know. And a lot of companies are trying to find a way to innovate in the audio space.
0: Yeah and and the mix you you mentioned too that the mix is more toward authors than publishers seems like mm-hmm. a lot of these are uh like you you specifically just mentioned uh, fan fiction that's obviously very author centric or writer centric um mm-hmm. i'm curious if you have besides the fan fiction side what are some of the other things that you're seeing uh tools and and uh, and startups that are focusing on on publishers specifically how what where are the where's the publisher innovation happening
1: there's not a heck of a lot of it um, where publishers, you know, the pain point that I hear from publishers and you're you, you you're closer to this than I am, uh, but you know, a lot of the pain points are always, of course, related to marketing broadly, uh, but that means um, more specifically these days, they recognize that marketing isn't a broad endeavor. You have to get very specific. You have to get into niches. Uh, you have to build community, you have to develop mail lists, uh, you have to be more data centric. And so a number of startups are, are playing around trying to help publishers in that area. Um, that sort of little segue there is that, you know, with the domination of the largest publishers in our industry, so much of the, they tend to be very closed shops and they try to innovate internally. So that, that mutes the opportunity for startups trying to, you know, if you can't make a sale into one of the big fives, you can't make a big sale. So you have to come up with a technology that's going to work more broadly with smaller publishers, and that requires a different kind of business model. Um, I'll pause there too. <laughs> I can prattle on for hours.
0: <laughs> no, that's good. Yeah, I think that's that's an important point, and and one of those things that you know, and I think maybe some of these publishers have been burned in the past so much by uh, the startups that they thought, okay, this is going to work, and then maybe I could we could we could do that. Uh, But it doesn't work the way they expect or the startup doesn't succeed the way I know I saw quite a bit of that happening back in the early ebook days. There were were a lot of startups around ebooks and a lot of publishers kind of got, I wouldn't say bamboozled, but definitely uh, got burned a little bit when it came to. Is this really going to work and how can, you know, uh, we're going to make uh, these really robust eBooks that have all this functionality in them that nobody wanted to buy. You know, mm-hmm. those kinds of things were, were not uncommon back then. So I could see publishers wanting to say, well, we, we know our business pretty well. Let's think about it internally and see if we can, we can do some of these things on our own.
1: Yeah. They're very arrogant in that way. I feel, you know, it's uh, publishing is, is my, my industry. I love it. But, I, you know, I get frustrated that there's not enough innovative spirit in many cases uh, in the publishing community. And there's, you know, to any publisher listening to this podcast, it's like, go out and explore some of these startups. You can sort by the ones that are just focused on publishers, the ones that are just focused on authors. You know, you, you can easily sort within the database and look at some of these, these startups. That even if they're not someone you want to invest in or buy services from, look at the ideas that they're engendering and, and try and determine whether or not there's some real opportunity internally to adopt some of this.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Well, with that will point people to the report and to the uh, the database. So I'll, I'll have links to those in the show notes where people can go okay. and, and get access to uh to the database I I'm interested in the uh, the publishers weekly connection um, mm-hmm. they uh, how, did, how did they get involved in this and what's the what's the relationship there
1: I've been writing for PW for a number of years and Jim Milliot the editor-in-chief and I got talking earlier this year about the report he he was aware of it but we hadn't talked about it in depth we talked about it at, at length and and Jim said what well, PW would like to have more coverage of innovation in the publishing space. And this seems like an ideal vehicle. Why don't we take over the publication of the report? I couldn't be more delighted. I said to Jim. And at the same time, he said, why don't you join as a contributing editor with a focus on startups and publishing innovation? Delighted as well. So I signed up for that. So it's going to be possible for PW readers to, turn to PW as a, a more authoritative source to learn about the most interesting startups. We covered one of the NFT startups last month. Mm-hmm. It's been a fascinating company called book.io. Um, you'll next year you'll read about a lot of uh, very fascinating companies through PW. On a quarterly basis, we're going to do a quarterly supplement.
0: That's awesome. Great. So Thad, thanks for coming on. I appreciate you uh, chatting with me about this. I'm really excited to see what people think about it and, uh, and hopefully we'll get some, uh, get some good responses and people will start to, to understand kind of more about the startup side of things. Where, where can uh, listeners of the show follow, follow you online and read more of your work?
1: The best place is to go to my main website, thefutureofpublishing.com. And you'll see we're linked right from the home page. the report and the links into PW. That, that's a good starting point.
0: Cool. Very good. All right. Thanks a lot. Good chatting with you as always. And I'm sure we'll Thanks. have you back on for another thing at some point in the future.
1: I hope so. Thanks, Joshua. Good to see you.
0: That's it for this episode of the Booksmarts podcast. If you like what you've heard, please leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to the podcast. And also please share the podcast with your colleagues. If you have topic suggestions or feedback about the show, you can email me at joshua at firebrandtech.com. Thanks for joining me and getting smarter about your books.